0: At 8 o'clock this morning, our reporters Raymond Tungakar and Curtis Gilbert knocked on the door of Archie Flowers, Curtis Flowers' father.
1: Hi, good morning, Mr. Flowers. Hi, how are you? May we we come in?
0: They sat down on the couch. (laughs) Raymond pulled out his phone.
1: And together, they waited. So I am just going to pull up the Supreme Court website. That's right. Connected.
0: They waited to see if today would be the day that a decision would come down from the U.S. Supreme Court in the case of Curtis Flowers versus the state of Mississippi.
1: What's going through your mind right now? Just prayed about it. I just said, you know, I hope everything turned out right. And then? So it's it's nine o'clock right now. Um, so the Supreme Court announced a decision. Um, so they reversed it. They overturned his conviction. Yes, Lord. law. It's the
0: The Supreme Court, by a vote of seven to two, overturned Curtis Flower's conviction for the 1996 murder of four people in tardy furniture.
2: The Supreme Court has thrown out the murder conviction of
0: a Mississippi death row inmate who has been tried six times. The justices agreed with Flowers' attorney that Mississippi Prosecutor Doug Evans unlawfully and systematically blocked black potential jurors from This is In the Dark, an investigative podcast from APM Reports. I'm Madeline Barron. Today's decision by the Supreme Court means that Curtis Flowers is no longer a guilty man he's no longer convicted of the quadruple murder at tardy furniture he's no longer sentenced to death but curtis is not a free man he's still under indictment for those murders so for now he's still locked up while we wait to see whether district attorney doug evans decides to try the case for a seventh time
2: It's a good day. Hallelujah.
0: We called up Sherry Lynn Johnson. She's one of Curtis's lawyers. She was the one who argued his case in front of the Supreme Court back in March. You
2: know, this is a case of gross injustice. And whether you're an imprisoned inmate or whether you're a regular citizen, this is an injustice that touches the heart. And that the Supreme Court would step out and try to right that injustice, I think, is encouraging to everyone.
0: Not everyone felt that way. Our reporter Raymond stopped by the house of Mary Catherine Briscoe. Hello, Mrs. Briscoe. She's the mother of Carmen Rigby, one of the people who was killed at Tardy Furniture. We thought
2: it was over. We thought it was the end. Oh, well. That was my daughter he killed at Tardy Furniture Company. I don't know why you don't just leave it alone. It's, we just have to go through this so many times. And I'm just about not able to do it. I'm 90 years old. Well, my son told me this morning said just don't think about it and you not you cannot attend another trial. Cause I'm just I'm living alone. My husband died after four trials. And we knew we m- both may never live long enough to get it all
0: settled, but I hope so. Raymond asked Ms. Briscoe whether today's news has changed how she thinks of the prosecutor, Doug Evans.
2: No, no. He's, he's done his part, I think. He's done what he could. And this, I know, is about worn him out, too. But it's it's terrible, terrible. I just don't want to think about going through
0: it again. Ms. Briscoe told Raymond that she feels sorry for the families on both sides of the case, the families of the victims and Curtis's family. But the way she looks at it, the person at fault here is Curtis Flowers for bringing up these issues in the first place.
2: I don't know why they just keep on and on with it. I just, I don't understand that. Because we was trying to forget everything and settle down the rest of our lives. So I can't understand why he can't do the same.
0: Here's what today's Supreme Court opinion said. The majority opinion was written by the newest justice on the court, one of the conservative justices, Justice Brett Kavanaugh. He was joined by the four liberal justices and two of his fellow conservatives, Justice Samuel Alito and Chief Justice John Roberts. The question the Supreme Court was looking at was whether DA Doug Evans had violated the U.S. Constitution by striking black people from the jury because of their race. Because they're black. It's called a Batson violation. And in his opinion, Justice Kavanaugh said that's exactly what happened. Justice Kavanaugh focused on a black prospective juror named Carolyn Wright. DA Doug Evans had struck Carolyn Wright from the jury. But Evans said he didn't do it because she was black. He had other reasons. Justice Kavanaugh went through each of DA Doug Evans' stated reasons for striking Carolyn Wright from the jury and he knocked them down, one by one. Like, for example, Doug Evans had said he struck Carolyn Wright because she knew a lot of witnesses in the case. But Justice Kavanaugh pointed out that there were three white prospective jurors who also knew a lot of witnesses, and Doug Evans barely questioned them about their relationships. And Kavanaugh said the evidence of discrimination didn't stop with Carolyn Wright, this one juror in Curtis's most recent trial. It extended through the entire Flowers case, in trial after trial. Curtis has always been tried by an all-white or mostly-white jury, and the reason for that, the Supreme Court found, is because the state struck nearly every black prospective juror it could. The way Justice Kavanaugh saw it, this seemed deliberate. He wrote, quote, The state's relentless determined effort to rid the jury of black individuals strongly suggests that the state wanted to try Flowers before a jury with as few black jurors as possible, and ideally before an all-white jury. Justice Kavanaugh wrote, We cannot ignore that history. We cannot take that history out of the case. And so Justice Kavanaugh and six other justices voted to reverse Curtis Flowers' conviction. The decision that the court handed down today was a narrow one. The court could have decided to do something really big in the Flowers decision, something that would have affected lots of cases, something that could have made it easier for other defendants to prove that there was racial discrimination in jury selection in their cases. The court could have even gotten rid of peremptory strikes altogether, although no one really expected them to do that. Instead, the way the court crafted the decision didn't do much, according to the experts we spoke with to scare future prosecutors away from discriminating against African Americans in jury selection. This is a law professor at Washington University named Dan Epps.
2: It's great, you know, for Mr. Flowers, you know, provides relief for him. But, yeah, I don't think that this is going to eliminate this practice.
0: Justice Clarence Thomas wrote the dissent. It was almost as long as the majority opinion, 42 pages. Justice Thomas didn't just attack the arguments of Curtis's lawyer. He attacked the court's previous ruling in the landmark case, Batson, that set up the rules for proving racial discrimination in jury selection. Justice Thomas called Batson, quote, a windfall to a convicted criminal. Justice Thomas also attacked his fellow justices for taking the case in the first place. Perhaps, he said, the court took Curtis's case because it had received a fair amount of media attention. And that, in Justice Thomas's eyes, is not a good thing. He wrote, citing another court case quote, The media often seeks to titillate rather than to educate and inform. Justice Thomas closed his dissent by saying, quote, If the court's opinion today has a redeeming quality, it is this the state is perfectly free to convict Curtis Flowers again. The man who gets to make that decision, to try to convict Curtis Flowers again, is the same person it's always been, District Attorney Doug Evans. Our reporters Raymond Tungakar and Curtis Gilbert caught up with Doug Evans around lunchtime today as he was walking into a Mexican restaurant in Casiesco, one of the cities in his district. I was wondering if you'd just have a couple minutes to talk to us about the Supreme Court?
1: Not right now, because I hadn't even read the opinion.
0: I mean, you're aware
1: that it's been uh, overturned? I am, but I have not seen it.
0: Doug Evans said he hasn't changed his mind about whether Curtis Flowers committed the murders. No
1: question about his guilt, there never has been.
0: But he said he would wait until he read the Supreme Court's decision before deciding whether to try the case again for a seventh time. The U.S. Supreme Court's decision today marked the third time that a court had found Doug Evans' violated the Constitution in the Flowers case by intentionally striking black people from the jury because of their race.
1: The last thing I just had to ask you was that three different courts, including the U.S. Supreme
0: Court, have essentially found you violated the Constitution um, by excluding black jurors from the Flowers trials. And I was wondering if they're going to change anything about the way you prosecute cases in the future, do you think, as a result of that?
1: I've never struck anybody other than from comments that they made about that I felt like they could not be fair and impartial. And that's all I can tell you on that.
0: But why have courts repeatedly found otherwise? Courts
1: have also repeatedly found a lot of things. Uh, Courts are just like me and you. Everybody's got opinions.
0: The Flowers' house in Winona. Archie Flowers' cell phone buzzed.
1: Yeah. Hello,
0: It was Curtis, calling from Parchment Prison.
1: Hey, what you what what you got going on? Yeah, well, it's it's probably all old town by now. <laughs> so, how you feeling, man? You said your prayer. You said you're proud of Oh, yeah. Love you, too. And I'll see you in the final paper. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for using (laughs) me. How do you sound? You sound good. He sounded good, really. When you heard him talk, he he sound like he was happy. No, he was really. He sure was. I know he was happy because when I go visit him, he didn't have no joy like that. But he, he happy.
0: So now Archie and Curtis are waiting to see what happens next. What happens next is one of the things we'll be talking about in our next episode, which we'll get to you as soon as we can. In the Dark is reported and produced by me, Madeline Barron, senior producer, Samara Freemark, producer, Natalie Jablonski, associate producer, Raymond Tungakar, and reporters, Parker Jesko and Will Craft. In the Dark is edited by Catherine Winter web editors are Dave Mann and Andy Cruz. The editor-in-chief of APM Reports is Chris Worthington.